0: Hey there, it's Susan Pierce Thompson, and welcome to the weekly vlog. So I've been meaning to shoot this vlog for you for quite a while. And the last two topics, there's three topics in this vlog, the last two, I was going to talk about this first one, um, came up right now. And it's the reason that I got finally spurred into action, kicked into action to shoot this vlog for you. Okay. So the backstory is in July, this this last July, July of 2019, I released a vlog called invited versus included. And in that vlog, I talked about something that I'd done on stage at the family reunion that really highlighted, um, my ignorance and the gap, uh, in my, Um, work on myself. Um, It revealed that I had not done any work really on my privilege, um, uh, sort of staying caught up on um, the latest zeitgeist and what was, you know, coming down in culture around uh, issues of race and privilege and um, inclusivity and um, equity um, it had been 10 years since I'd done any of that work. And looking back now, I, I didn't really do a very good job of it 10 years ago. Um, but I had done some work then. So, anyway, I did something on stage that highlighted that. And, um, you know, well intentioned heart, but major gaffe. And I, interestingly, had been super wowed and impressed just like two months prior. By two back-to-back speakers, Trudy Lebron and Johnny Lake, who had uh, presented keynote addresses at conferences that I'd been at, and uh, I got up to Trudy and said, "I think you're amazing. I want to talk to you. I've got this company, Brightline Eating, and uh, we're extremely homogeneous in our population." Um, just people flock to Brightline Eating, essentially, who look like me and who, you know, uh, white upper-middle-class, um, middle-aged women of uh, high educational background. On average, those are our demographics, and um, and our mission is really to serve um, the diverse population of this world. Obesity is spreading everywhere, impacting everyone disproportionately lower SES communities. And, um, and I need your help. I just realized I haven't thought about this at all. And she said, awesome, let's work together. And I said, you're hired. And then we both looked at our calendars and realized that the fall was the right time to get started. Um, And then this thing happened in July. And suddenly, now was the right time to get started. So I hired her in July, like the day it all came down and she helped me navigate through it. I shot this vlog, Invited Versus Included, um, uh, which she gave me you know, very sweet, helpful feedback on. And so in that vlog, what I basically said is, uh, I don't know what I don't know. And I'm declaring myself a student. Like, I find it hard to talk about this stuff. I, I, don't, I know that I don't have the education or the concepts yet. And I know that Bright Line Eating isn't where it needs to be yet in handling these issues well and in creating a safe, inclusive space where everyone who shows up feels um, a part of and well taken care of. So I said, I'm just gonna go do my work. Like, I, I didn't really have much, that much more to say, except I'm sorry, and I'm gonna go do my work. So I said that. And um, I have been working with Trudy LeBron. Her name is T-R-U-D-I-L-E-B-R-O-N. She's amazing. You can look her up, Trudy, trudylebron.com. So I've been working with her diligently since then. And it's been going great. And um, we've just gotten sort of through Um, The work that I needed to do on my own, sort of background, biases, perspectives, Um, you know, she had me look at when in my life have I felt oppressed or marginalized? Um, When have I been able to use my privilege to help someone else? Um, We just, we looked at a lot of current events and current issues, and I brought all kinds of questions to her as things were unfolding, and she would kind of give me her perspective. It's been really helpful. And where we're at now is it's time for Brightline Eating to create um, sort of a statement um, of our stance on issues of inclusivity and diversity and equity. And um, to really enumerate the policies and procedures that are going to be sort of the do differently or the do's, like what we're going to do about it, the practical things. Um, And... Toward that end, we had uh, an in- intensive two day all team retreat. We're flying in 33 of our all 33 of our team members to work with Trudy, deep dive for two days um, to do collective work and come up with those things. And it was scheduled for this month, so it got canceled. <sighs> so um, that's kind of where that work is at. And This thing just came down the pike. So this morning, I got this email just sent into the support center. um, And it says, Susan, please don't use the word Sisu. It is part of the Finnish national identity. And if you're not Finnish, you really shouldn't use it. I lived in Finland, speak both the national languages and beg you, please don't adopt that word. The Finns suffered for a 1,000 years at the hands of Russians, Russians and Sweden. This is a specific kind of national pride they have at overcoming all that. I could go on and on, but this email is probably too long already. If you're not Finnish, you can't have Sisu. Here's some more information on Sisu from Finlandia University. Scroll down to the Sisu section. Thanks for considering. So I got that email and we're rolling out a course um, and the name of the course was to be Brightline Sisu, Calm and Bright Through Crisis. And in the boot camp, I educate people about the word Sisu and how, where it comes from, uh, the background of that word and um, how that adopting that spirit is helpful for a Brightline Eating journey. So... I got that email, and if I'm honest, um, I was in two minds. Um, On the one hand, a part of me felt like, oh, um, thank you for educating me and letting me know, and I guess we have to change the name of the course. Um, And I felt grateful in the way that I always feel grateful when people tip me off to something that I've done that um, is hurtful to them, because it's an opportunity for growth, and I'm all about that. Another part of me, yeah, if I'm honest, sort of felt like, I don't know about this. Like, in many ways, like for one thing, um, you can't please everybody, right? And um, uh, it feels like, I don't know if it's um, wrong for me to use a word that um, is part of someone else's background. So I called Trudy. She hops on the phone with me and um, oh my gosh, can I just say, I just love that woman. She is so wise, just wise. And you know, after talking about this with my team and with David, like those two parts of like, oh, we better change the name. And oh, I don't know if it's so problematic that we use that word. Is it problematic? And I talked to Trudy. I laid it out. I sent her the email and I said, what do you think? What do I do? And she said, this is a borderline instance. This is one of these things that's on the line. Um, she said on the one hand in general, um, she said, I don't find it helpful or realistic for us to police each other's language because, um, yeah, not helpful, not realistic. And you also never know the cultural background of somebody, right? Like, maybe you come from a community where there's a ton of Finns and uh, the Finnish identity is very much steeped in your, um, your background, right? How would you know that about somebody when they're just talking? So, you know, in general, policing each other's language tends not to um, go very far or be very helpful, she said. On the other hand, Um, It's different when it's the name of a company, or a brand, or in this case, a course when you're looking for a name for something. Your course and your company and you as a person don't have any Finnish roots. And by institutionalizing that word, it's different. You're held to a different standard because for example, you're now making other people say that word, right? And maybe they're not comfortable with that, right? This is not an instance of one individual human being just using a word in conversation. It's an instance of a company adopting that word as part of their course name. And she said, usually she finds if, if that cultural word or whatever isn't really part of the background, there's a better word there's usually a better name for it, right? You don't need to use that culture's thing. There's probably a, a better word from your own culture, right? Use that word. And she said, finally, there's another consideration here, which is that some words were born out of oppression and struggle and hardship for a certain group of people. We know some of those words, right? Some, there are words that we are all very, very careful about because they're born out of a particular group's struggle and hardship and oppression. And she said those words get um, treated with a different standard as well, especially if you're not from that background. And she said it sounds like as I mean, she wasn't familiar with the word herself. She said, I just got educated. You know, this word is one of those for the Finns. You know, this is a word born of their national identity and their cultural struggle going back for millennia. So she said, yeah, don't use that word. Don't use that word. It feels like for someone from that background, it feels like you're stripping something from them when um, you you have experienced none of that struggle and you're just using their word, especially in a business type setting where you're naming your course that you're offering. She said, yeah, don't use that word. Um, And I thought, wow. Thank you for illuminating the nuance of that, you know, I just felt so um, elucidated and validated, right? That that part of me that was like, hey, you know, uh, it's just a a person using a term. And she's like, yeah, but it's not in this case, right? Um, It's a company naming a course. So, um, yeah, so I'm here to say that we're changing the name of the course to Brightline Grit. Calm and bright through crisis. And here's the thing grit is a better name for it. I'd already actually been thinking this. Literally on my bedstand right now is the book Grit by Angela Duckworth. It's um, a number one New York Times bestseller from 2016. And my background and the background of Brightline Eating is science, right? That's like really part of our culture around here. And grit is the scientific name for it, actually. Um, grit is the combination of passion and perseverance that gets you through things to the end. And there's a whole scientific literature now on grit. And actually, as I grabbed the book Grit off my shelf to study up, to present in this course, I thought, why didn't I call it Brightline Grit? And then I got this email. So I thought, isn't that funny? And then Trudy was like, usually there's a better word for it, right? Focus on your own culture and usually there's a better word for it. So that's really interesting. So um, this right here, the vlog I'm shooting and this instance of us changing the name of this course, thanks to this thank you to the person who sent in that email. Thank you for educating me and thank you cre- for creating the opportunity for this collective do different, do better discussion, right? That's what we're about around here is learning and growing ever better. So that's the first one Now, I've had two other topics on this uh, discussion thread (laughs) um, to share with you. And I want to share them now, too. Um, One is around the word tribe. I don't use the word tribe anymore to refer to our community. I used to use it a lot. And then I listened to a podcast. Uh, Trudy LeBron, my coach, um, has a co-host uh Louisa Duran and they call her Weez. she goes by Weez and Weez, um is of the berber um background I forget the other name of the tribe I wrote it down da 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 da, da. amazig the a m a z i g h the berber amazig tribe um one of those names was not allowed to be said, so they had to change the name of it there this tribe from northern africa um has not been allowed to use their native language through colonization. So colonists came in, subjugated the tribes, um, and, uh, made it illegal for them to speak in their mother tongue. And they were displaced and displaced again. And in one of the podcast episodes, Wheeze goes off pretty hard on what it feels like for her when white entrepreneurs use the word tribe to talk about their communities, their communities that are not um, financially interdependent, that are not uh, living together to survive in harsh conditions. She's like, they have no business. Like that does not land for me well at all, like no. And um, you know, when I think about the condition of Native Americans in the United States and the reservations and the history I took a course in college on Native American history and it's horrifying. And I can absolutely see that as a white person I have no right, I have no authority to use that word. And so I've stopped using it and we've actually gone, uh, we're very careful now, we go through and we edit old videos to try to take the word tribe out. So I invite you not to use that word either. And this goes back to also the sweetness of what Trudy reminds me of is that there's a better word for it, right? You don't have to refer to our collective Bright Line Eating community as a tribe. You can refer to it as Bright Lifers and Bright Liners and Bright Line Eaters and community, right? Um, We have our own identity. We are Bright Liners. And that's who we are. And I love our Brightliners land, our, our Brightliners community. It's amazing. The final one has to do with swearing. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but you haven't heard me say a swear word since July, I've said a couple, but like 99 point something percent less and none on tape, um. And I think a couple of the ones I have said were quoting someone else, and that was literally the quote. Um, So there's a history here of the swearing issue. Let me take you back, because I've been getting uh, messages since day one. Susan, would you watch your language? In various ways, people have asked me that. And um, you know, uh, up until this July, I had a mouth like a sailor, like really bad, really bad. Anyone who was at the family reunion this last year heard me f-bomb probably 30 times in my opening two-hour monologue. <sighs> so I started Brayline Eating. I started shooting these vlogs. I swear like a sailor and people were, would write in like, not comfortable with that. Would you change that? And here's the background before that. Um, I've tried to stop swearing. A lot of times <laughs> like a lot of times. So during this stretch of time between 2004 and 2012 that's eight years, 2004 to 2012 those were eight years of perfect unbroken bright lines for me. I did not take a bite off my food plan for those eight years and in those eight years I worked the 12 steps five times an average of once and a half a, one, one and a half years per round through the steps and every time, Every time I would get to step six and seven, where you list your character defects and then you ask God to remove them, I would focus on two things, speeding and swearing. Speeding and swearing. And by the time I was going through the steps again, they were back. And I was back having to focus on speeding and swearing. And then I'd go through the steps again, and oh look, I just got two speeding tickets going 90 miles an hour by the same cop in five minutes. True story. Speeding and swearing. And I was a tenured college professor swearing in my classes and I couldn't stop. And it was uncomfortable for me. Like I was noticing there's students trapped here in my classroom, you know, against their will subjected to my swearing. And I knew that it bothered some of them, right? I knew the literature. Studies show 13% of Americans, I don't know abroad, but in America, 13% of people hate swearing so much that they will go to great lengths to avoid people or circumstances where they might be subjected to it. 13% of people. Um, I rationalized and justified not doing anything about it because I've also read the literature where there was a study um, among factory workers and new employees coming in to work at the factory um, were not trusted by over 60% of the factory workers, unless they swore. And I looked at that and I was like, see, some people need someone to swear to feel like they trust them. And, you know, weight losses are really like, uh, people don't trust and they've tried so many things and how do they know if I'm for real? And so I just let it loose and I'll just swear because like, you know, no one's making anyone watch this vlog and you're choosing to be here. And, and the truth was, I didn't feel like I could change. I didn't feel like I had the bandwidth to put any effort in that direction. I felt like I'd tried so many times and I felt so tapped out and three little kids and trying to figure out how to do this bright line eating thing and this movement. And I just didn't, I, I just felt like I couldn't, like it was so far down the priority list, I, had, I was up to here. And then this one day, I got this email from somebody, this letter, and she said, Susan, I'm writing to beg you to stop swearing, especially using that F word. I was sexually assaulted by a man who showered me with F bombs while he assaulted me. And it's so triggering for me when you use that F word and I need to be here, I need this transformation, but I can't hear you say those F bombs. Would you please stop? And I got that email and um. I cried and I paced around the house and I literally thought, I can't stop. I don't know how to stop swearing. And I wrote her back the sweetest, longest letter that I could basically saying, I hear you and I don't know that I can stop. And so in July, um, I got chopped off at the knees pretty good. And it was fine. It was needed. And it was humbling, and humiliating, but mostly humbling. And what it feels like for me is that God took the swear words out of my throat. Just removed them. It has not been hard to stop swearing, to not swear since then. And I'll be honest, as I say this to you, I have a little bit of um, fear that the swearing will come back. The more I swagger, the more I seem to swear. And I'm feeling pretty good these days and I'm a little concerned that the swearing is gonna come back. But what I feel right now is a greater sense of responsibility, and accountability for creating an inclusive environment. An environment where anyone who comes feels safe and welcome and considered. And like they have friends here. That's what Brightline Eating needs to be. That's what I want Bright Line Eating to be. So I've stopped swearing so that you can play these vlogs with your kids around or send them to your priest or rabbi or pastor or mullah or grandmother <laughs> without worrying about what I've said at minute 13, right? And there's more to come. This is just vlog two on the inclusivity topic. My team and I will get together and we will come up with our values, collective Bright Line Eating values and our policies and our procedures around inclusivity and equity. We have a scholarship program, which is awesome. Um, And we're really thinking about how we reach the masses that we need to reach Planet earth is diverse and massive and people come from so many different backgrounds and around the world, 2.1 billion people are overweight or obese. And we have an answer for some of them. So I want the door to feel wide open. So, registration closes tomorrow for Brightline Grit, calm and bright through crisis. I'm so grateful that in the universe's divine right timing, I got nudged to shoot this update for you on the inclusivity topic to let you know, you know, what's been happening since that vlog I put out in July. Thank you again to the person who sent that email. I heard you. I hear you. And, um, we won't be using the word Sisu for the name of our course. (sighs) So good, right? It's so good. We just keep learning and growing. There's always a do better, do differently, new awareness around the corner. And I welcome it. And that's the weekly vlog. I'll see you next week.